Sucking on chili dogs. Sucking on chili dogs. Sucking on chili dogs. Sucking on chili dogs. Bat, bat. So what's up, Katie? Well, man, I just got out the clink, to be honest. I just, uh, I did some hard time. Tell us us about your uh, your six-hour endeavor in the correctional facility that is Craighead County. Well, let's just, let's get past the transport, because that's a whole other story. Um, Well, well, I'll give you a little synopsis. Cop let me follow him to the gas station to park my car, and he got out of his car, and I was just chilling there uncuffed, and he's like, well, I'm running here for a second, and 20 minutes later, he still wasn't out, and the sheriff pulled up to transport me, and I just stood up and, like, a Forrest Gump, when uh, when he sees Lieutenant Dan on the pier, and he just starts waving real big, and jumps <laughs> off in the boat, I just started waving real big at the sheriff, and I was like, hey, I think you're here for me. And then he goes to handcuff me, and I was like, oh, because he's a canine unit. And I was like, what's your dog's name? He's like, Nero. And I was like, oh, well, I used to date so-and-so when they had this police dog. And he's like, yeah, really? I was like, yeah. So I got him back in the police car, and, you know, I'm looking over at the police dog, you know, wishing I knew German so I could command it to not bite me. That's pretty fucking sweet, so I could pet it. And singing Chris Stapleton to the dog, serenading, starting over. Oh, you got to put him in a good mood. Yeah, yeah, I wanted him real relaxed. So we get to jail and... He's looking tense. We get into the jail and uh, sitting there before... Uh, for those of you that haven't been to jail, you know... It's you, real fun. It's, it's, it's pretty... Fun. You'll, you'll, you'll hear about it. It's real fun. Anyway, um... So, the jailer is, you know, asking me about my tattoos. It's a female jailer. She asked me about my tattoos and stuff. And I'm a real personal person, as you guys will come to know. Um, I'm trying to make light of any situation. And jail's not the place to do it. But, by God, if I didn't fucking do it. Um, so, you know, I've taken my nose ring out. You know, she's, you know, made sure I'm good and healthy. I'm not coughing, spreading no pandemic. And she's like, all right, turn around and, you know, spread your legs and touch the wall. So, she can pat me down. She starts to pat me down. She goes... Got any weapons on you? I said, none but this fine ass. <laughs> and so I made instant friends with the jailer. And then, uh, you know, went, went through mail detector, nothing went off, got strip searched, you know, that was fun. A little, <laughs> am I doing it right? <coughs> what about now? <laughs> didn't think you, you know. were going to get a possible hookup. No, I didn't, but you know, the option's there. So, I, uh, silver, silver lining. Silver lining. I go and I just, after I put my clothes back on, I just sit there and I wait. And about two hours, which jail time, you know, for me anyway, went by real quick. It was the uh, quickest, quickest amount of time that ever passed in my life because I'd just been sitting there for two hours, just dangling my feet off the bench, listening to this. There's this crazy man in one of the one of the blocks. He looked like Willie Nelson, but he's like in one of those suicide uh jacket cloak suits you know like the weighted oh, blankets yes, yeah yeah so he was in there and he was like i've killed 857 men in vietnam and, <laughs> and he was like you know that judge that i told i wanted to fuck her well she gave me 55 more days and the jailer was like well maybe if you hadn't told her you know you wanted to fuck her you would be in here for that long he goes well i still want to fuck her so <laughs> so you know i made friends with that guy like <laughs> You know, two hours into it, a uh, good old buddy from growing up, 
came in and I stood up. I was like, my man, stood up in jail. Like I had, like I'm at my fucking house. I'm like, my man, what's up? He's like, yeah, I heard you were looking for a bondsman on the on the radio up here. Anyway. Given this is your first time ever going to yeah. jail, ever being arrested, ever just right at home, bro. I just yeah, I was just chilling. Um, I was having a good time. It's time for my mugshot. I was like, she was coming here, we're gonna do your mugshot. I was like, oh me? And I started skipping. I was like, I'm getting my mugshot, guys. And uh, a couple weeks ago, before I got arrested, I I shaved my eyebrows off so I draw them on better because you know my face. I want to be perfect. And uh, so I shaved half my eyebrows off, and I sent my sister a text. I was like, man, I hope I don't get arrested, because I won't have eyebrows in my mugshot. And I'll be damned if I don't have mugshot with no eyebrows. So, but it was a good time. It was pretty cool. So talk a little bit about the events leading up to it. You're big into uh, some Wiccan practices, and you read your... your, uh, My tarot cards. So, like, divination is my favorite. It's my favorite thing in my practice um it's something i've found i'm really really good at and um i've been having some difficulties at work a lot of stress a lot of um you know debating on do i need to find a new career path right now um so i had a lot of stress going on at work so i was like well let me just do a card pool so i i did my three card draw like i normally do and the first card that comes up is the tower for those of you who don't know jack shit about tarot cards, the tower is uh, a big old fuck you from the universe. Um, <laughs> it's like a, hey, you've got something real nice going here. Sure would be a shame if we just fucked you in the ass without any lube. You know, it really <laughs> would but be a fucking shame. I hope you're into that because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So I pulled the tower and I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to lose my job, man. What's going, you know, maybe I was worried about it. And then I pulled it. This, this was Sunday Yeah, this, this is, week. Was it Sunday? No, no, no. I pulled it because uh, the full moon was Monday because I charged my cards on Monday. Okay, yeah. So it was Tuesday. My cards were fully charged by the so moon. The, so you literally pulled this tower card two days before I got arrested. Two days, right? Two days. And I like I, I like to make notes because um, in a different episode, you guys will find about the shit show that is my love life. And um, usually, you know, if I pull a spread. It would take me like three or four weeks to be like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, I interpreted it this way, and I was pretty Before fucking right on. What, what gets right. into reality. Exactly. Before you see the end results. Like, mm-hmm. seeing a proof of a picture before you get the physical copy in. You yeah, know? right. Okay. So, I was like, okay, a couple weeks, I'll figure out. I even, I think I was even telling Ross. I was like, yeah, man, I, this is what it said. You know, I got the tower, and then I got this cups card that was basically says, treat yourself, bitch. And then the third one is justice, which is um, looking at <laughs> looking at your choices and the consequences, and you know, learning a lesson. Basically, you know, all was right in the world with the justice card. And uh, two fucking days later, I got arrested, and uh, my my pal here got me out of jail. It's uh, not only the the tower card being somewhat ironic, uh, but justice. Yeah. And then that's that's specifically what happened. Like it wasn't something outside of yeah, it wasn't of, some... like the law that made you potentially lose your job, which you're not gonna lose. No, no, no. Like, My job is secure. We're yeah, good. We got that squared away. Thank you. But um, well, you welcome, man. But it's it's um it's just so crazy because I as somebody who doesn't practice that is somewhat skeptical, but still open minded to it. Um, this isn't the first time that you've read your cards, and it 
being scarily accurate. Yeah. To to what's going on. Real, just real quick, I was in. I I'd kind of started talking to a guy, and I was like, "Well, let me do a relationship spread. See, uh, see what's gonna come of this. You know, I wanna what what do the fates say about my fate?" And uh, pull the cards. My card was real fucking happy. His card was real doom and gloom and like, damn, this is a sad asshole. And the card in the middle was duality, which is, you know, duality, you're balanced out. And I think three weeks later, I got fed up with his shit and I realized in those cards was, he is a sad sack of shit and I am really happy and yeah, we balance each other out, but I ain't got time for that, so. And, and maybe, and like, that's the thing is that maybe he was like a good dude, but you, um, the timing. What couldn't have been any worse because based on other things that you've been through, which I, if you're comfortable, we'll get into in another episode. But um, it's just, yeah, it, just, it wasn't the place, wasn't the time for you to be trying to do all that. somebody that's pretty much about, that's what I'm saying is that with the with the cards, you didn't see, you say you didn't see it till three weeks later. Yeah. It's already showing like the red flags and the signs of, of uh oh well this is kind of accurate but right you can kind of tested to where it was like fuck man if I couldn't tell that like then before, I, I know for sure and that's that's the funny thing about cards is that um I've been practicing for like a year so as I get better at it the quicker the manifestation comes so like it was just a I was used to waiting two or three weeks, and um, so how many children did you sacrifice to get to this level of power? Um, for legal reasons, I cannot say. Okay, understandable. Um, Moving on. More than fifty, less than a hundred. Okay, well that's you know you gotta get those. Hypothetically, up. if oh. I were to have done something of the sort, it would have been had to be in the realm of more right, than fifty. Right, guys. Anything said here, she's just speaking from an, an alter ego. It's a stage character that um, we've invented, you know, for legal reasons. Rippin' Dippin' Randy on here now, guys. We got, we got Rippin' Dippin' Randy in the house. Yeah, always Rippin' and Dippin'. So you, so you basically took a roughly $600 field trip through the correctional facility. And you know what? Um, you might not think it was worth every bit of your pennies, but it was worth every bit of your pennies to me. You had the, you had the nicest tour, guys. I really did. And, like, I I was just like... She didn't get dressed out. Didn't I didn't... The, I didn't Y'all, I still ain't been fingerprinted. The U.S. government still does not have my fingerprints on file. They might have my toe prints from when I was a wee babe. They ain't got these phalanges, man. <laughs> they ain't got my phalanges on file. And uh, in a year, I'll have eyebrows again. And my hair will probably be different. So, hell, my mugshot ain't worth shit neither. So, yeah, just changing suck it, Uncle Sam. Suck it. I had a great time at your, your house. It was good. But no, it wasn't. Uh, when I told my mom, jail wasn't that bad. She wasn't real impressed. So. Well, because she expected, you know, and that's actually a question I was about to ask you. Is there, of course, you had a limited exposure to it, but to what do you think that the way the system's set up, is it really engineered to be... Helpful? Yeah. Absolutely not. Or Honestly... any type of, because that's what's in the name, is correctional for or re rehabilitation, however they want to word it, but does it really... No, anyway? I will say this, okay... <clears throat> As far as um, physicalities, like the location, how it's set up, and like the premises, um, it, it's not. I visited people in jail. The jail I went to could be so much worse. It really could, as far as like, I mean. Yeah, like, I'll get into it in just a second. My my little uh, stints in in uh, jail. Never had any serious time, but 
like Craighead, which is what we're talking about, compared to Mississippi County, is like a summer camp compared to somebody's fucking basement with like roaches that crawl in your ear at night because you have to put toilet paper in your nose and in your ears, otherwise cockroaches will go in there and yep. lay eggs and well, you get a bad infection. You know, my ex Cheese, which is what uh, we will yeah. we will call her. Um, yeah, we're not gonna refer to people by her actual. Yeah. Name. Um, Cheese did little time in uh, Cross County, okay. and um, Cheese was set to get out in a month, but she did three months because Cheese started a riot by herself. Not a riot. I wouldn't call it a riot. It turned into one, but it started. started it started out as a protest because they were there was a leak in their jail cell, hmm. so Cheese decided to tell everybody in the unit to move all their beds out in the hallway until they fixed it. She had her commissary, everyone's commissary cut off. Everyone's phone privilege taken away. Everyone's visitation privilege taken away because she thought that being unfair, the conditions in jail were unfair. Which, don't get me wrong, a lot of jails have very unfair conditions, but it wasn't, the water wasn't leaking on her fucking head. It wasn't a downpour. She was just. No, but she made it seem like it was Guantanamo Bay. So she got. And she's like, I'm about to fuck shit up. I'm getting frostbite. Yeah, I'm not, I do not feel comfortable in here. And My I, nipples are hard, and I ain't being turned yeah, on. Yeah, after um, after I heard about all that, and I finally could get her on the phone, and they were like, "Okay, you can have your phone privilege back." I told her, I said, "I hope you get your hair braided in there, because we're not gonna have any fucking money when you get out after this shit." Jesus. And uh, but yeah, so compared to other facilities, it it really it wasn't terrible. I've suffered with mental health issues majority of my life, and I've done a couple of. Um, inpatient uh, treatments where I've stayed a week or two, my, generally about a week um, each time at an inpatient mental health facility. Mm-hmm. Um, not all were great. Uh, some of them felt like jail, actually. Um, when I went to one in uh, the Boot Hill, Missouri, it was, it was really rough. Um, that wasn't helpful. But for me, the structure, how it's set up, <laughs> Um, I felt right at home because it felt like being in an inpatient facility because we had the jailers on duty that we did that night. I don't want to say it's always like that. The two jailers I had were, it was like concierge service at a hotel. Like, they were so <laughs> fucking nice. Unrealistically nice. Like, there was this... It sound like a swell place. It, I, I know I make it sound like that, but for, like, I've heard all these stories, so I was expecting to be terrible, and I was going to shut the fuck up and sit there, but it was so... Yeah, it's not Unlike like you, what I it's thought not, it would it's be. It's not like you see on uh, 60 Days In or uh, yeah. Scared Straight or yeah. something like that. I mean, they're, they're kind of you're worked up just for the... the well, ratings. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't... But I, also, there weren't that many people in there when I first arrived. So, like, a lot of things play into how nice the jailers are to you. And, for instance, uh, while I was there, this guy, he was high as I don't know what on meth. And... Um, there was something about him being arrested that he he was not going to get bonded out. There's no way he could. He was going to have to wait to see a judge for like a couple of days, okay? That's just a cold, hard fact. Well, when you're on meth, speaking from experience, cold, hard facts are pretty warm and malleable, okay? Just because someone's like, no, this is, I'm showing you this legal document that says you cannot do this, and you're like, well, that fucking paper can be shredded. I'm ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, you're running through all of Yeah, it's like, you know. You, you're going to find a way to tear that microwave yeah. apart and build a, your next fucking space egg. Man, you're, you're going right. to the fucking moon. Elon Musk pulled it. Man, get in there. <laughs> so, anyway, this guy's 
not coming down yet. And he's beating on the door. He's screaming on the door. I'm ready to fucking go home. Green don't run my life. Which I'm assuming is because the deputies wear green. I think he got picked up by deputies because I was thinking about that. I've been think. I've been run- I've been ruminating on my time in the clink. You know, I've that's been really. One, that's one thing about it is you. Uh, it does slow you down. It doesn't stop you, but it does slow you down to the point where, where you, you have a lot of time of self reflection. You do. You do. You probably overthink shit. In but. in the same, in a very similar way as I felt refreshed when I would come out of inpatient treatments. Because in inpatient treatments, I had a week, and it was structured. You did this at this time. You did this at that time. and But in there, you know, I was getting therapy and all that, so that was wonderful. In jail, it was this at this time. This, this is These are the rules, and this is what the fuck we're doing. End of story. Yeah. So, for me, I think it was the structure of it that made it so easy. Had it been like uh, they threw me into, like, um, a pen with a bunch of other people, and like, well, we'll get you out when we get you out. Just do what you do. I, I would have shit. Like, if I went to Gym Pop, I probably would have shit my pants. I really would have. But I never made it out of booking because um, I, sometimes I fall in a pile of shit and come out smelling like roses. I got really fucking fortunate. Um, but they were really nice. Like, that meth head was screaming at them. And there's this chair in jail that if you act up, it's just this restraint chair. They basically just Velcro you to this chair until you woo-saw yourself, um, you know, to stop screaming and cussing at them. And the First jailer was. Went to Craig, they had to uh, put somebody in there. Man, we kind were. Kind of fun to watch. We were all eating our cold spaghetti. We were. Just watching him. Everybody in there was like, put him in the chair, put him in the chair. <laughs> like a full on. Like, I, I think at that point, whenever he was really acting up, there was me and good buddy from way back in the day, and two other guys who were sitting there. And we were all just like, put him in the chair, put him in the chair. And a guy that's been locked up in county for two years was like, I know y'all better put him in that damn chair. He's acting a hot mess. Like, it was funny. But the jailer was like, sir, I need you. Like, he was yelling the most like, sir, I need you to sit down. You're not getting out for a couple days. And he did that like five or four times before he ever even cussed at him. He, finally, he was like, sit the fuck down. There's, a, there's an ungodly level of patience for anything, any service industry jobs, but especially dealing with people that are either on drugs or... I mean, you're not, it, it's not like you're just going to get an ideal inmate where they come in and go, well, I fucked up. Okay, I'm me, here. Me, sitting there well, fucking dangling my legs going. get in like worse shape, but there's some people that don't, they've been in and out so many times yeah. that it's like, they're desensitized to the idea that, oh, I'm here because I was some kind of menace, fucked something up or whatever, broke some kind of law, and they see it more as an inconvenience to their life. Yeah, well, you know. Rather than... It's supposed to be some kind of rehabilitative service. No, I'm sorry, Judge Dredd. You know, really <laughs> fucked your life up, but that's it's his job. <laughs> well, what, um, so that was one of my questions is what, what could they do to improve that system? Because it seems like you got a group of people, like, even if you have never offended before and you broke some kind of law, and then, like you said, you get thrown in gin pop, you're in there with a bunch of degenerates who, um, not not exclusively, but you're in there with people that sometimes are on their fifth, sixth, tenth, twentieth fucking time being in there. They're not really in any position to try to better their life. So they're just waiting out till they get out. So you're so you're surrounded by those groups. Because I I had uh, a few days in where I was in Gen Pop and got to meet some really interesting people. And there's some people that literally made a mistake. They were drinking and driving, and they had. You know, or they stole something and got caught and had flat days. It wasn't like any violent offenders or anything because we were on the misdemeanor side. But it was still, uh, then you met some people who, 
It doesn't matter how much help you gave them, they were always going to continue to be fuck ups because that's who they were. That's who they wanted to be. So there, but there was no. It's like, hey, we're just going through the process of it. You're in the system. Here's your fines. I mean, it just ultimately it just comes back to money. Uh, by by the way, I just want to real quick to listeners. I went to jail because I had an FTA, which is a failure to appear um, during the pandemic. So I did drop the ball. I fucked up. However, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't. I wasn't pushing no drugs. I'm not a. Yeah, I'm not a pusher. They didn't find you know. out about the children. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's well, that's a different. Ripping you from radio. Okay. So, okay. So you you just said we were on the misdemeanor side. Okay. Yeah. So. Ideally, they would separate you for what the fuck you came in for. Like, you came in because you're high on meth, you sit in the meth tank. You're here because you're drunk, you sit in the drunk tank. You're here because you're a fucking dumbass who didn't pay your fines, um, you sit in the fine tank. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, I mean, they could do that. I don't know. I don't know what... Inside jail is not the problem. That's not where the problem starts. It's where the problem continues to get worse. But all the people that I met in there, they were there. They were doing a warrant roundup. So anyone that had any kind of warrant, they were just like um, finding any small petty-ass thing to initiate contact and be able to run their name and be like, okay, you had a warrant. Like One of my things is from 2016. Apparently, I missed a payment on a fine. I, you guys, I don't know if you know what you were doing five years ago, but I know what I was doing. I was getting clean off drugs, and other than that, I don't know what I was doing. So, I'm sure I missed a fucking payment. You know, I was jonesing for some drugs. Like, I, I wasn't thinking about court. So, once again, I did drop the ball. But, like, you've got, I don't know, man. Like, you can't, it, it it's the money aspect of it. If they would stop fucking punishing you for not paying something when you can't actually fucking pay it. Yeah, because that it's would like be you, the thing. Like you didn't, you didn't pay something, so then you turn around and had a failure to appear, non-payment of fines, or contempt of court. I have four tickets now, man. And then turn around, suspended your license, and it's like, all right. So most people for work have to travel some distance that wouldn't be viable by foot. Right. So you've got to drive, or you, sort of something like that. So the whole. It's kind of a legal racket system, and I'm not knocking the, uh, you know, I think that some system needs to be in place, but it's engineered to where once you uh, do something, you know, negligent or just stupid or whatever, you get put in the system, and then it's very easy if it's like they domino effect you or whatever to where it's a continual fuck. Is it really helping you get your life restructured, or is it just a massive fucking nuisance to tack more fines on you so that they can generate... More revenue for the state, and then by the end of it, you know, especially people living paycheck to paycheck are like, bro, this wasn't just a setback. This was like, it's going to take me. <laughs> I'll never financially recover I'm never gonna, from this. I'll never financially recover. Shout out to Tiger King. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's specifically engineered to generate money for the state. Now, that's not to say that th- that it doesn't help some people, but I think yeah, like overall, in, it's a fucking trap. In my, in my particular case... It helped. Because yeah. I tell you fucking what, I ain't going back again. Yes, it was okay. It oh, wasn't. Well, that's what everybody said. Well, though. you know, but not everybody. <laughs> I said the same shit and I went back. Well. After. 
you know. But shit happens. And it, you shit know. happens, and I'm just going to be more on top of my shit. But, yeah. it, but the thing really in your case that's an exception is that courts were closed down due to COVID. You had been pulled over since 2016, didn't have a suspension then. Yeah, and I, I, got, I, have, a, I have a job where... If I have a suspended license, that's it. It's, that, it's done. It's over. Like when I call, I called my boss um, after I got out of jail. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, actually, I sent her text at like four in the morning." And I was like, "Hey, I just got out of jail. My license is suspended." She didn't see it. Woke up to her reacting to something on Facebook, and I called her immediately. I was like, "Did you see my text?" And she's like, "No, I'm still laying down." I was like, "Well, good. I'm happy you're laying down because." Because you're about to be. Yeah, you're about to fucking fall out. Uh, I went to jail. My license is suspended. I have three court dates. And she was she was like, make some calls. Because her boyfriend had a suspended license not long ago. Um, and he, same shit. Same exact shit. Yeah. He thought he had finished paying stuff. And it just caught up with him. So it's really, it's, it's not, um, the system is not set up to help people that actually need help. It's designed to help people that occasionally make a tiny mistake. But that's then it. They, then they legally extort a bunch of money from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So like <laughs> a relative a bunch yeah. of money to their income. And it's kinda like Starbucks how they have like that secret menu. Yeah. They don't tell you all the good shit that's on the secret menu. You're like, here's what we have. You can get a car macchiato or you can suck my dick. Yeah. Whereas the secret menu is like, oh, but you can do all this. You can and do a bunch of fancy shit. Yeah, and so, like, the legal system's, you know, regular menu is like, okay, you got locked up, you got fines, your license is suspended, you can't do shit. So, in your specific situation, what could they have done to help you had I not been your friend and told you what to do? Um, they could have. Um, what, did, what did they tell you? What was the extent of the information that they gave you? The extent of the information they gave me was. You have these court dates, show up to these court dates, pay your fines. That's and, it. And you might get your license Yeah, back. and you might get your license back. Whereas so, my little secret menu friend over here was like, no, no, no. You call them, you say, hey, I want my license back. Ask them how much it is. You pay this fee, they give you a paper. You go to the DMV, give them that paper, pay another fee, and get your license reinstated. Y'all, I literally got my license reinstated the day after I got out of jail. Like, it wasn't a full 24 hours, and I had my license back because Secret Menu Ross over here helped me out. You know what I mean? Whereas Regular Menu was just like, well, I get, I guess you're fucked, you know? You can't drive, Pretty so much. you can't get to work, so you can't pay these fines. So, right. well, we're gonna arrest, yeah, we're going to arrest you again. Um, because you can't pay out, so it's never any cycle of bullshit. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate. Jail was not bad for me because I'm I'm fortunate. It's not, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I can sit around and joke about I've been in a clinic like yesterday. I think I crack at least fifty jokes about <laughs> you know, man. I've been like, <laughs> uh, Ross had uh, someone really cares about you got to spend time with them recently and I was like man you didn't tell me that and he just turned around and goes you've been in jail <laughs> you know so like that's been a big non-stop thing for a just while anything that she's missed in the last two days we're just like man you've been in jail you've it's, been in jail it's been all all uh, communications been cut off we gotta bring you up to speak so much has happened in the world yeah are you still recording because it's not moving yeah pretty sure it's still recording the time's running bro Okay. Well, I'll yeah. put that clap in there so you know where to cut this out. Yeah, it's just see the clap showed up. Oh, it's just it's just real slow. Now I'm gonna have to go back and cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Just keep it going. We'll, we'll fix it. It ain't no big deal. I'll come back and fix it. Stop talking about it. It's a lot of claps. So you can cut between claps. Now I gotta... Jail was bad. Jail was not fun. <laughs> my mom isn't proud of me anymore. It's, it's not... But, okay, so one of my um, situations that perfectly goes with what we've been saying about how it's a trap is... At one point when I had a uh, DUI, I ended up wrecking a car. I was, I had uh, some alcohol in my system, but I actually fell asleep at the wheel. Whatever, you can believe me or not believe me. Fell asleep at the wheel, wrecked, hit a uh, guardrail on the interstate. Damn near died from the uh, incident. I mean, I think the only thing that really saved me was the fact that I was asleep and just like ragdolled. But anyway, fast forwarding, uh, went to jail, uh, stayed overnight, went to video court the next day. And uh, the thing is, you know, you get to see, uh, or actually I was in the courtroom, but there was a lot of inmates that were back in the jail that were going to video court. And they were going to video court after being in jail for non-payment of fines. And the judge seriously asked them, why haven't you been able to pay your fines? And every inmate looked at him like a dumbass on the camera and was like, because I'm in fucking jail. What do you mean I can't pay my fines? And it was 90% of the, the inmates there were non-payment of fines. And he's like, well, we'll give you a continuation. We'll set you up on the block. It's like he was reading from a fucking card each time. It wasn't an individual basis. Like, I understand you got a lot of pa uh, patients. You got a lot of inmates that come through. It's just papers. It's numbers or whatever. But it's not designed to set anybody up for success. These aren't people that are in there that are on any kind of work release program because no. they're not in for an extended amount of time. They literally got picked up, kind of like in a situation with you. Say you didn't have friends, family, or any type of uh, external money that could come in and pay on your behalf. You'd have to set out the time owed, which I believe is like $40 a day. So say you owe $2,000 in fines, you'll be in that bitch for a minute. Mm -hmm. By the time you get around to it, it's uh, you've got more fines probably tacked onto it or some worse setup than when you initially come in and they're like, well, you know, are you going to be able to pay these fines? And you're like, yeah, sure. I'll just, uh, I'll just go get my old job back real quick. I've only been gone three fucking weeks. Yeah. And uh, I don't have a car anymore. My dog's probably dead because you haven't let me the fuck out of here to go home to take care of anything I needed to take care of. And it's, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. No, it's it's uh, extort the fuck out of you for money. And then, uh, fuck you, we're just going to dump you on the step as soon as we give you freedom. But, you know, so, protect and serve. You know, I got I got arrested and I was transferred, transported, transported to Craighead County. But there were three different agencies, technically four different agencies involved in me. I don't want to speak bad on cops, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 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 the system as a whole. It's the system as we got to. That's another episode. Need reform, need reform. That's all. I'm reform, reform, about. reform, refried, reformed. Refried um, reform. <laughs> but uh, I had four different agencies. So I had Craighead. I had the Arkansas State Police because they're who pulled me over. Um, I had Poinsett County and um, Jonesboro, uh, which is inside of Craighead County. So I had two counties. Um, a state police officer and JPD. So I got arrested for some Craighead County stuff. JPD was involved in my 2016 non-payment of fines. I'm sitting in jail. A JPD officer comes up, hands me a paper, tells me to sign this. 
Um, asked him what he was. And I didn't care for this. He's like, sign it and I'll explain it, right? So, I signed it and then he explained it. And I was just hoping for the fucking best at that point. Because, you know, I was, I was in jail. I was like, what the fuck that's, else? That's the thing, though, is that in the moment, you're like, shit. And so much is running through your head. And again, it's just paperwork yeah. for them. It's another part of their fucking So, they don't, they're, they're not... They're not explaining shit to you to so, people that don't know the um, lingo or what yeah. the process is. Yeah. And the process is relatively the same, but it's different for every individual. It just results in the same bullshit fines. Yep. But um, JPD came in and he's like, sign this. I signed it. And I was like, now, what is what is all that saying? Um, and he said, this is a warrant for your arrest for, well, not your arrest. It's a warrant because you have um, you haven't paid your fines, and I was like, okay, understand. What does that mean for me after this? Like, what what exactly does that mean? He said, let's say I had pulled you over on a traffic stop. I would have given you this paper, asked you to sign it, and released you of your own recognizance. So basically, you got these fines you haven't paid. Here's a reminder. Yeah. Pay these pay these fines. If they would do that more. To fucking die if you're not already in jail. So did he not explain as to why he didn't just rule that as like a routine traffic stop? No, he didn't explain any of that. He just was like, if I had pulled you over, I would have seen you had this, asked you to sign this paper, release you of your own recognizance, so, and that's it. So he basically... He was a nice cop, but he was. he was like, here's what I could do to make life so much easier. But No, no, no. This was a different one. This is oh, okay. The other the, cop. I actually okay. got arrested, and while I was in jail waiting to be booked, a totally different cop from a different agency came in and was like, hey, sign this. And I was like, that's when I was like, what does this mean? He said, if I had pulled you over, I would have saw you had this. Made you sign it and said, okay, you're fine. Just go to court. Gotcha. So, like, honestly, if they would do that on non-payment of fines, yeah. And then, but then, like, I guess that is the middle ground to it. Because you've got a lot of people that are like, oh, fuck, no, I ain't paying that shit. And then, there you go. That's when, then that's they when run it makes off it worse for the other people that are, that are just trying to be responsible. Didn't know, like you said, drop the ball or whatever. And then, um... Yeah, everybody gets fucked in, in that regard. My one regret, I did not get a prison tattoo while I was in there. You wasn't in long enough for a session. I was. I didn't need... <laughs> poking stick don't take that long. I didn't need a big one. I just need something to remember the occasion by. I think you'll remember. i tell you what, if you go next time, find Prison Mike and uh, get you a sweet tattoo. I will. I will. Um, my new driver's license has the day after I got released on it, you know, my issue is date. So don't you don't for uh four twenty nine next year we're having a, a party, a celebration party. <laughs> and I will also I wanna say this, it wasn't announced on social media uh that I was arrested, you know, I'm not to that level of public figure. But um I'm pretty fucking disappointed in all y'all for not putting hashtag free Katie. In all the text messages, I'm pretty fucking upset about that. Because, uh, I mean, I would have never seen it, but I would have heard about it, and I haven't heard about yeah, it. I would have put it on the news for sure. Yeah, so, you know. Kind of a... <laughs> you know, I, my friends really came from came through for me, except for in that aspect. I was really expecting some hashtag free Katie's. 
And I didn't get it. I get. I didn't get one hash. No, no okay, hashes. That's, that's what I sent your mom. I was like, we gotta go get our cages. She gotta be a free bird. Goddamn. Can't keep an animal in a cage. Man. Your cat pent up becomes a lion. I was born to fly, bro. <laughs> I was. I was. Uh, I was running the block in there. Dude, I was running the block. C block all day. You gotta, call, you gotta call back in there. And make sure they're running it. I have somebody good. else call for me. Check on my affairs. That's good shit, though. Man, yeah. So I'm I'm a jailbird now. You know, I've been uh. Got another milestone uh, on your belt for being human. Once again, two <laughs> things I never wanted to, after after I ruined my. I, there were three things I was never gonna do in life for fuck for sure for sure. I wasn't gonna do math. I wasn't gonna do heroin, and I wasn't gonna go to jail. Well, I mixed fucked up and did math. So. I still had, I'm never going to do heroin. I'm never going to jail. Well, I done been to jail. So, if any of you motherfuckers try to come up to me with some heroin, I'm going to drop kick you right in your sack. Because I'll be goddamned if I have one thing and never have I ever. That's going to be the one thing that I win yeah, with is never have I ever done heroin. That's, that's the three strike rule right there. It's, I, just, it's all downhill after that one. Because I used to like to, you know, you know, never have I ever been to jail. Yeah. See some fingers fall. You know, <laughs> and now I'm... I'm going to fuck up and say it, and I'm going to ruin myself, so, you know. I think it's pretty easy to steer clear of heroin. You know, you just don't do it. It used to be pretty easy to steer clear from meth, you know. You just don't fucking do it. And then you you get older, and Adderall gets shitty, and... Adderall gets weak. Yeah, and Coke gets too expensive, and you're just like, well, let me get this. Let me get this up and ups. So, how long... If you're comfortable with talking about, let's talk about your uh, math experience. How long did you do that? When was the first time you tried it, if you remember? Um, I actually remember exactly where I was at, what was going on. So, my dad had passed uh, a couple months before, and um, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd, and um, I dabbled, I'd take Adderall before here and there, diet pill, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything. Like in college, that was the thing you did. You took an Adderall and you rode around. You, uh, you drove the loop is what we called it. It was just like these, it's fucking, these two streets you could drive on in Jonesboro to take a cigarette break. You couldn't smoke on college campus and you're just yeah. a geeter. So, uh, you know, but. That was the limit of your exposure to, to anything. Yeah, anything that like that. Yeah, so. I was dating this dating this girl, and we went over to her friend's house and um cheese she uh she grabbed the grabbed the pipe and started smoking it and just looked at me and was like, "Do you want to try some?" And I just remember like my stomach dropping and thinking, oh, what the fuck?" And I was like, I, I don't know. And she's like, it's just like Adderall. And, you know, here I am with someone that, yeah. <laughs> it's not just No, like it's Adderall. absolutely not. It's absolutely not. I but, know that. I've never tried it. Yeah, that. well, you know, I'm. Well, I was in, in a, I've indirectly tried it. I was, yeah, you didn't do it on purpose. I did it on purpose. I, uh, but she did it, and I was thinking, well, here's a person that I care for. And I assume has my best interest. You know, I mean, at heart, isn't going to put me in any harm's way. And I, I trust her. So, there I was. I, I did some meth. And then I crocheted for like four fucking hours nonstop. And 
got a nice blanket done real quick. It was pretty. Um, That's great. Well, you know, you get cold, so. Yeah. Well, you know, because yeah, you lose weight when you're on meth, so you you do get cold. But um, <laughs> that's actually honestly doing meth is how I got my speed up on crocheting. So now that I'm sober, I can still like crochet really fucking fast. You're like it, the most productive meth I was. I was <laughs> when I was on meth. I worked three jobs. Um, I, one of them, um, I was a, I was actually a pimp, um, that was my side hustle, and then, um, yeah, I worked, I was, I was a pimp, I worked, uh, I sold fine jewelry, which is a very hard background, uh, check to pass, by the way, um, me and only, like, the store manager and the security officer were allowed in there, so even people that were my boss, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't coming by these four carat diamonds, no sorry, this, this is mine to sell, Meanwhile, when I started the job, I'm so geetered out and drinking water and having to pee that I told my boss, it's like, I just started a new medication, so I'm, I'm a little, Wah. you know, like, <laughs> explaining my meth addiction away with new medication, which, by the way, is, right yeah, they gave me a steroid shot, you know, uh, which is, was a really good excuse because it worked, and I also worked at Bath Body Works. As a merchandiser and merchandising, you tear. Jesus Christ, you just buy six, you'll get six more. Buy six, you'll get all the. Let me tell you, in the semi-annual sales, you need you need to hit your glass. You need a method to, you need... you, to, to navigate the amount of sales that are going on in Bath and Body Works. Let me tell you, they you need somebody that can sell the seven C's of sales. I was a valued employee <laughs> for fucking sure, but yeah, I did. Um, I. Well, you've always been a charismatic person, so. It, amplified it in the wrong ways though it's not it's not good but i uh i've been clean for since 2016 so five years now Mm. i've been clean for five years um but i did it for a good two and a half two and a half years i did math i never shot it up um which doesn't make it any better there's different ways you can consume it but generally Generally, if you're to the point where you're shooting meth up, your your life is beyond over. Like you're not gonna recover from that. Like it's extremely hard to recover. I mean, it was it was difficult to get into recovery. Period. Like it was difficult to quit smoking meth. Like what would you? What would you? If you could explain it to somebody like me that's never done it, how would you explain the feeling of meth? Um. Every cell in your body is ready to go. Like you are like um like um at the carnival. You remember the Gravitron? Yeah, okay. That is what meth feels like. It feels like you're in the Gravitron. Everything's moving really fucking fast, but you're also moving and your stomach's floating up and you're just like how I'm talking right now, I'm just yeah. that is how the world is moving. But you are so fucking focused that you can just do anything. It's almost like you're the Flash. It's like it, you took a, the limitless pill. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. No. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, I, that is one of the best. Yeah. It. It's like. It's. Like you took the limitless pill. Pill. It really is. Um. You feel like you can do anything. I packed my apartment up, in I think less than a day. I parked my entire two bedroom, two bath two-story apartment up in a day and I was going so fast that cheese drugged me with a trazodone was like you've got to fucking sleep so you know you're at a 20 I need you back down to at least a 10 yeah at least a 10 
So, you know, you're, you are very productive. You're very productive, but you, um, your perspective becomes so skewed. One of my best friends for most of, for 20 fucking years, um, I lost her as a friend because I was high on meth and she didn't know what the fuck to do. All she saw was I was running my fucking life in the ground and she wasn't about to get dragged down either. And for a long time, I really resented her because she... She left me in the middle of a year-long lease. She just she's, she didn't even tell me she was leaving. She moved out while I was at work, went yeah. to the office, and got her name off the lease, the rental lease, all while I was at work. Um, so, it, and that that was a girl that was really, I mean, she was one of my best fucking friends ever, and I lost her because... We're not, yeah, no, we don't really speak. Every once in a while, we'll say, "Hey, you know, hope everything's good." It's not the same because I completely and totally ruined that relationship. I completely ruined it. And (laughs) hindsight, you know, it's always twenty twenty. But before I started dating, she's she was like, "I don't think that's a good idea. That's a really bad idea." I kind of sort of said the same thing, but I was so tied up in fucking grinding away at the burger joint and smoking pot that you were like well <laughs> all right you know her dad's dead she's going through it i don't know what to do which is totally understandable like it's just it's not necessarily understandable but one thing about weed at least in my experience is uh it makes you extremely lethargic extremely apathetic to the point where i was like dude i feel for you but um you know my answer to everything you gonna get high yeah and that was it. That was the that was the way of coping with anything. Whether I was sad, happy, fucking excited about something, tired, sore. Yep. And I think maybe you would say that like meth was the same thing. Like it's this ultimate high that you uh, that's unattainable by any other chemicals really that I could think of. I uh, have been clean for five years, and even right now, even talking about it. Um, you can still taste it. Yeah, I can fucking taste it. Uh, I, it's like a, it's literally like you're so, fu- that feeling you get in the back of your throat and the roof of your mouth when you're so fucking thirsty, like you're craving, like, oh, I really want some Taco Bell, and like your mouth's just watering, like that's how I fucking feel. It's a thirst I cannot quench ever again. So it'd be, it'd be safe to say like every day is basically an accomplishment because you're constantly in a state of recovering from that because it's so easy to uh you know the daily grind life is fucking sucks in some regards i mean that is a little bit on a person's perspective because there's some people that have very little that are extremely happy and there's some people that are rich that are uh, fucking miserable so it, it, it is more of a state of mind but like the general daily grind like once you've had a taste of I'm not comparing meth to, like, the tears of Jesus or something, but once you've had a taste of something so godly that puts you at, like, an ultimate state of of, uh, consciousness, somewhat consciousness, but more or less just the feeling, euphoric feeling or whatever, to where you can accomplish anything in the world, and then you have to come back down from that. It's like you got to peek inside heaven, and then they're like, no, no, you got to go back down in the the fucking gutter. Yeah. And and, uh, you have to live there, and that's where you have to be, and that's what normal is. Yep. And then, um, honestly, the reason why I got clean is because I got so fucking high one time that I thought I was never going to come down, and I I still can't accurately describe what that feels like when you're so high. Like, it's not stoned. Like, I've been so stoned that I didn't want to be high before, but this is like a... 
You're so high. You. It's like you broke through the uh, the uh, veil that is meth that makes you think everything's fine. You you pe- you got so high you broke through that and it's like you feel everything. Peaked beyond the veil of my. <laughs> yeah, like I literally you you peaked beyond the veil of methamphetamines and uh, you feel your body dying. Like I felt, I literally felt myself decaying. Like I felt like. I thought I was going to fucking die. I thought I was going to fucking die. And I was like, if I can just come down from this, I'll never fucking touch it again. And I haven't. I have taken Adderall since. I have taken ecstasy, which was meth-based, which was, uh, you could consider that a relapse if you would like. I don't, simply for the fact that it wasn't, I could I could stop taking ecstasy. I could mm-hmm. stop taking the Adderall. I could take an Adderall right now and not be jonesing for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the meth, it, yeah, it's the top tier. There's a, there's a lot of uh, ecstasy that's uh, cut with meth. I mean, I, that's what I meant earlier when I said indirectly. Like, a, you don't know. It's not like you have a mobile fucking test kit when you buy they don't uh, make those for street drugs. Yeah, not for I the mean, common man. I mean, yeah, you have a research lab that's able to detect the 0.6%, blah, 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 all the bullshit that's in some double stack or triple stack or something like that. But um, I know at least at one point I had two blue Mario stars. That was the impression that was on it. And boy, let me say, I dropped my girlfriend off at her house and I was like, all right, well, you have a... Uh, you have a good night. I'm going to go back over there to the party we were just at. So you have a good night. And back out of the driveway, rocket blast. Just fucking tunnel vision. My little uh, 2001 Alero <laughs> turned into fucking the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And all I went was a block. Yeah. I but went it a was block. Like... <laughs> I went a block, but I was uh, I was feeling ecstatic. Yeah. And then I walked in. I parked, parked the car, got out. I probably sucked down two cigarettes in that block radius. Like, you feel like you got iron lungs. And uh, walked in, was talking to one of my buddies. Um, we'll call him S for the sake of it. And uh, I was like, bro, they kicked in. Like the fucking uh, Hunter S. Thompson fear and loathing thing. It's like when the drugs finally take hold, boy, did they. And it was, uh, I can somewhat, you know, it's not the same as actually smoking meth or injecting it or anything like that. But it was... Definitely a um, a next level euphoric feeling yeah. that I haven't accomplished with like cocaine or any other uh, drugs that I've done, which I am very much a somebody who likes uppers way more than downers. So, um, yeah. but something I did want to ask you about was how are you handling the uh, recovering process, and do you think that you could give any tips to anybody because? I think each day, for somebody that's done, you said two and a half years that you were doing meth, so anybody that even goes a day after that without doing it is an accomplishment. How do you battle that, and what advice would you give people out there that are currently struggling with it and, and maybe want to get off, get clean, get on a better path? Um, well, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do aside from live my life without my dad because I knew him my whole life. I lost him young. Is the hardest fucking thing I, I've ever had to do. It uh, it's a daily, it's definitely a daily battle. But as far as like dealing with it, overcoming it, and coping with it, um, man, I I, <laughs> I take a shit ton of caffeine pills. I'm not gonna lie, that fucking helps because like 
Once you go to that speed racer level, you know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to come back down from that. It's hard to function like a sloth when you've been the fucking Flash. So, like, um, which that's been the last few years that I'm just like, oh, fuck, I forgot about caffeine. I can take caffeine. So, I'll, I'll drink, like, two Red Bulls a day and a 20-milligram caffeine pill and maybe a couple cups of coffee. So, yeah. that's not healthy. I'm not recommending that. But in the later years, that's how I've kind of dealt with it. Um... But the first few years, honestly, um, it's like a slow wane. Yeah, it's a, all the way off. It's a very, the very slow wane. Where you'll eventually uh, decaf. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some decaf, maybe a little, little milk spritzed in there. <laughs> Ooh, um, getting fancy now. The uh, uh, the way I did it is I packed my shit and went the fuck home. Home may not be the place for you to get clean. Home was difficult for me. I don't have a great relationship with my mother. But if I packed my shit and I went the fuck home, um, which my mother's house is not my first stop. I actually went to one of my really good friends. And um, me and him slept on his twin-size bed in his parents' house for a good year. Um, I couldn't make it without my friends. I, My good friends. I packed my shit and I moved away from all the bad people. And everyone that I ever knew that did meth or knew I had done meth or helped me get it or knew somewhere to get it, anything like that, I cut them the fuck off. And it was very difficult because those, despite despite being, like, drug-induced, like, you still build those relationships. You still have those connections. Like, when you're on meth, you don't stop fucking talking. So you you share a lot of your life with everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, you do grow close to people in that toxic circle but I just said, and it may, I it said, may, fuck it. It may sound a little weird to some people, but I think, like, it's it's kind of like any, not necessarily call them junkies, like, in a derogatory term, but there's a community among, like, Addicts. most people. Yeah. yeah like, there's, there's like, not, yeah, like, even active and then trying to get clean or whatever. So, it's like you had to remove yourself from an entirely different level of society yes. that is known about, but not necessarily... Um, like mainstream to quote unquote normal people. I didn't even go to Narcotics Anonymous meetings, which probably would have really helped me. I didn't go for fear of running into someone that was just there for court reasons. Yeah. And end up linking up with people. I, I didn't rely on the support system that the that the government gave me to get clean because I was terrified of relapsing again. So I I. Carterized, removed yeah. yourself from the exposure I, to yeah. it in any capacity. Any capacity, like if you were doing Adderall, nope, bye, nothing. Yeah. Um, I, because anything was a temptation. Absolutely anything. Yeah, the only thing I would do is smoke weed, smoke yeah. weed and cigarettes, and that's it. And that's one I'm uh, for personally, I'm a big proponent of weed for myself because. Well, that's not a drug. well no, <laughs> uh, it's not. I know I'm, that, I'm but like my big thing is like. I did meth. I got fucking clean. I deserve a goddamn joint. Yeah. I deserve it. Like, I'm not out here fucking wasting away, ruining my life, pimping people out, stealing from people. I'm not doing all that shit I used to do. If the one fucking thing I do is smoke cigarettes and pot, then goddamn, I'm fucking winning. Yeah. But as far as, like, so, step one, cut yourself the fuck off from everybody. I don't care if it's your mom, your baby daddy. I don't care if it's your child. Whoever has who, exposure... Any potential, any potential trigger, you get the fuck away from. Especially in the beginning, like now, 
Now I can talk to people that are on meth. I don't care for like you guys. Like if I was in a gas station, someone was gator. I could, I could, I, it's like I could fucking just sense it before they even talked, before I even saw their eyes. I could sense it, and I just turn around and walk the fuck out. Walk the fuck out. Like, it didn't matter if it's strangers. I removed myself from all of it because it was all a temptation because I could just as easily walk up to, like, man, I got I got 20 bucks, you know? Yeah. And go get me something, you know? Like, it, I could have done it so easily, so get the fuck away from it. I don't care what situation it is. I don't care what you have to do. Y'all, I lived in my car. Because at least I wasn't on fucking drugs. I lived in my car to keep from being on drugs. Um, and then years afterward, I just dove headfirst into anything that would keep me that would keep me sober. So like uh, my friendships, uh, I reconnected and I dove into that. I'm not a I'm a Wiccan, so I wasn't like going to church and all that. Um, but the spirituality probably played a little bit of a role. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I was like, well, if if I survive this, there's a fucking reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's a reason why my father died. There's a reason why I went through this entire trial of being on drugs and pushing through that grief. Um, so and like I don't know, like immediately after quitting meth, you know, cutting myself off from everybody, I can't really even give you a good answer on what I did to cope because. At that point, I've been doing it for two and a half years, so I had used that to mask my grief of my dad dying. Yeah. So after I got, after I quit, I had to dive into therapy and start dealing with that grief. Um, I got into a series of shitty relationships because I didn't know my self-worth. Um, not all abusive, some abusive that drug me down a, a pretty rough path that uh, I've now finally thriving afterwards so it's just the only advice I can give the only advice I can give is get the fuck away and stay the fuck away by any means necessary until you're able to have that limited um, contact like, like and baby even, steps coming back into the and even then even then if I'm hanging out with a group of people if I'm at like a house party or something and someone comes in that's gatored out I'm like you guys, I think uh, I think it's time for me to head out mm-hmm. because to me, if they're there, they know somebody, and it's just a yeah. It's still it's still it's there. a domino effect. Yeah, it's not that it's so much of a, a temptation anymore, but it's something that would be in my environment, and well, it's kind of like somebody responding to um, you know, like you got a soldier that comes back and uh, some something happens to trigger like some sort of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of thing to where you're it's not so much that it's like actively on your mind but as soon as you see it and recognize it yes you're like this isn't and then you start smelling the uh was it like burnt plastic smell uh, is that what it smells like yeah it tastes I like around it at all i've been around it like one time <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that's it oh it's making me fucking sick to my stomach thinking about it when you uh okay, so no, no 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 it's fine there's a, it's the taste, is yeah. what the smell is. So, like, um. I heard it's like a chemically, like, burnt plastic taste. Yeah. You kind of smell with it. When you're, when you're smoking it and you've burnt it up, like, it's done, you can't smoke, like, because it's rocks and they kind of, they melt, right? Yeah. But there's still residue. When that burns, the taste 
is so fucking bad that I couldn't eat hamburgers for a long time because that charred piece oh, of yeah, meat the on the grill. Yeah. yeah, that piece of the meat that just like falls off while you're cooking it. Gristle. Yeah, the but like shit gristle, that's yeah. what it tastes like. So I couldn't eat burgers for a long time. Speaking of which, that's the street name. It's called street uh, shit gristle now. Shit gristle. Um, <laughs> that's all the kids are smoking. Give me a gram of shit gristle. But yeah, like I couldn't eat burgers. I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, and it didn't. The reality of how bad off I was and what a terrible mistake I made honestly didn't hit home until I think year three in my sobriety when um, one of my friends that I used to get high with all the time died. She had an overdose. And um, it really, she she had a young daughter that her mother had been raising. And, you know, it just, it took, even after years of sobriety, it took someone dying from the drug and I was just sitting there thinking, that could have been me. I could have been right there with her at any point in time. That could have been me. Because yeah. she just got a bad batch and her heart fucking quit on her. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you could have underlying conditions. That right. Obviously, if you're smoking meth, your fucking physical health is not at uh, yeah, no. the utmost of your priority list. Absolutely not. So, so you could have some kind of underlying condition. And like that time you mentioned earlier about uh, that was the highest you had gotten. You said, if that, I can just get past this, like it could have, you could have very well, you could have hit it one more time, just out of peer pressure from cheese or whatever being around you. And uh, there, there you go. Yeah. Just dead. like you said, you yeah. would have been right there with them. And then at the time I wasn't really, we weren't really talking or anything. Absolutely not. No. So, I'm learning about all this after the fact, but yeah, well, it's good to see how far you've come, though, just from how you handled your dad's death and continue to handle it, and also meth, the relationships you got into, and if you don't mind, we'll talk about B in just a second. Yeah, we'll talk um, about B. And kind of how, when you were recovering, you know, the thing about anybody at any given time, especially when they're recovering, is extremely vulnerable. I think everybody carries a certain level of vulnerability to them, but when you're recovering from something like that, you're um, mulling over like your own self-worth, your own uh, direction in life or whatever. And so when something seems stable, you almost believe believe it more than, uh, or, or uh, look past like red flags to, to uh, want it to just be true. Right, right, absolutely. Um, which B, I met him years after after quitting meth, you know, like it was, what, year four, I guess, that uh, your chair's real squeaky, man. Um, year four in my sobriety that I met him, and it just, it, there's a reason why you will hear people say, um, I'm a recovering addict of 23 years. I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery for this long or that long. It could be 60 fucking years. Because every day is recovery. Every day is recovery because every day you still want to do that drug. Logically, you know, most people, logically, you know, if I do that shit, it's going to fuck my life all over again. I will literally lose everything all over again. Y'all, all I had to my name was my fucking car. And that was a fluke. That was just a fucking fluke. I got very fortunate by having that car and it being in my name, being paid off. I was very, very fortunate. But that's the only fucking thing I had to my name. I had nothing. I had a storage unit that had never been paid on because I'd spent money on drugs. Everything I owned lost but my car. So 
here I am all these years later. I've built all this shit up. And at any moment, I could relapse and I could just fuck it all off again. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, there, it, it is a constant state of recovery. I have not recovered. I am in recovery. I'm always in recovery because I really, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm an addict. It is what it is. I may not be using at the moment, but I am an addict. But you're so. still doing good, though. No, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You're I, in a position now where, you know, there was almost that scared with you losing your job and getting arrested recently. But, but it wasn't for drugs. It wasn't but, for yeah, drugs. It wasn't, it wasn't for drugs, but it's that's what I'm saying is that you, um, like you say, you cut all those people out and you formulated the path really on your own to yeah. how you could build yourself back up and uh, get a better hold of your life. Yep, yep. Um, you do what you gotta do, but my one... One and only piece of advice is just cut them all off. Cut them all off. Cut them all off. Period. Like you don't. I don't care who the fuck they are. You cut them off. Um, they are not gonna want to let you go so easy. They're definitely gonna do everything they fucking yeah, can to drag you back down. Because that's the even even if you exclude the drugs part of it, it's still the community. That I was talking about. These people do love each other. Yeah. I mean. I, I loved all my friends that I did drugs with. Um, but it's it's toxic. You're not helping each other. You're not helping yeah. each other. There have, been, there have been times in my sobriety that I've really missed somebody and really wanted to reach out to them and see how they're doing. But I know I can. I know I can't because unless I see through the grapevine that they went to rehab and gotten clean, I can't. Even then, I really don't want to reach out to them because... We have, we specifically have that connection. We specifically have done that together. It's yeah. not like, not like now, if I meet someone that's been clean for so many years, I can sit down and shoot the shit with them. Like, you know, we can swap war stories, so to speak. But I couldn't go back and do that with someone I did the drugs with because, you know, it would trigger shit again. Like, it, there would be that chance for, excuse me, not only myself, but that other person to relapse. And, yeah. I'm just not about that shit, man. I'm just not about that. Like, I'm very much, uh, when the going gets tough, I drop shit that is non-essential for me. And sometimes that's very, that can be detrimental. Like, I'll drop friendships. Not on purpose, but I'll just go ghost. Like, I'm, I'm a hermit. So, um, but that, that part of my personality really helped with trying to get sober. I was just like, no, absolutely not. I have nothing to say or do for you. I wish you well. I hope you get better. If you don't want to get better, I hope you continue to do whatever you want to do. But this is about me. It's very, being on drugs is selfish, but um, getting sober is a different kind of selfish, yeah, but the so, best kind of selfish. Yeah, exactly, because you're, you're finally putting yourself first in the most positive uh, uh, way to phrase that. It's, it's a, yep. you know, you're taking back control of your life and not living under the, uh, the dependency on some substance. Yep. And it's like now you said, you know, you smoke weed now, but that's not really a, I don't consider that any type of dependency. Like, sure, you could say it is to a certain degree that you use it to get through day to day life. You use it for certain stressors like job, relationships, yada, yada. But um, it's really more of just a. Like a cigarette. Yeah. It's um, but I, I'll say this I have abused weed um, in my sobriety, I've abused it because it was a crutch. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that was something I did, not something we did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people are like, not anymore, but 
us growing up, weed is so bad, turns you a bad person, it's a gateway drug. <laughs> no, it is, it's not. I, it's the devil's lettuce, hail Satan, love the guy. <laughs> so, um, but I, I'd use it as a crutch and I would, um, it would hold me back. Much, much as, like, much as it held you back. Yeah. And you were, you were just, I'm gonna smoke weed. I'm gonna smoke weed. I, I, this is fine. I've earned this. I took a shit today. I should smoke. Goddamn, I opened my eyes. I should smoke. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a, it was a definition of my personality, and I was like, well, this isn't who I am. This was, does, this isn't who I want to be, like, marketed as, I guess, or whatever. I don't want my image to be just this fucking pothead and to not be taken seriously over some drug that I did, which, again, in my opinion, it's not a drug, but, um, so I ended up quitting in 2015 and just quit cold turkey. I smoked, um, maybe like an eighth, uh, over the course of the night of May, May 3rd, or March 3rd, 2015, and then that was it. The very next day, never touched it again at all. And it's, uh, and what's it, 2021 now, so... Never really cared for it. Didn't have any withdrawals from it. It doesn't have addictive properties. No. I mean, you, what, you, what you get addicted to is the routine and, like you said, the crutch. Your mindset. It. Yeah, yeah. It, it's your mindset. It's not It's not weed at all. Where meth, at, where meth is the chemical. The yeah. chemical. Y'all, I don't want to... I Glorify it, but... Like, yeah. fuck meth, man. Fuck <laughs> meth, because it is so fucking good <laughs> that it is so fucking bad you know like it's so fucking bad I've been, I've been told that it's like a constant state especially on the initial so to speak rocket ride up when you first smoke that first like 15 seconds it's just a constant state of orgasms uh, I've been told that I don't know so I'm asking man I want to know what dealer they were getting their shit from because that's <laughs> not what mine was like it's like so a that was one person's experience but it's like um like a like a hot day and you roll the window down you just keep rolling the window down the wind just pushing on your face and you're like whoo this feels just, good just you know what I mean euphoric, yeah. yeah it's it's euphoric but like it also on your on your skin like um like a like a water slide how it just you're like shooting through the water and stuff like yeah. how it feels coming off your body like that's what it feels like it's very euphoric it really is um until you hit that plateau and you're just like, you want to buy you want to buy this diamond? Oh my gosh, it looks so good on you. You guys, there was a blind man coming. I worked in um, a a store, um, a jewelry store in Central Arkansas, which is near um, the state school for the deaf and blind. Their mascot is the deaf leopards. Fuck yes. That's fucking dope. <laughs> it's dope as shit. I get to go this summer and take photographs. <laughs> I'm, so I have to brush up on my ASL. But anyway, side the point. I worked in a community that had regularly customers come in that were deaf and blind. Okay? This man is blind. I just thought he was a six foot tall black man in a cool fedora and shades. I was like, well, this is a cool ass dude. Long ass tan trench coat. Nice tie and shit on. He wanted to buy a gold chain, but he wanted a certain millimeter and stuff. Y'all, I kept trying. You want to look at this one? Do you want to look at this one? Well, how does this one look Until to you? he finally took off his glasses, and you're like, oh, shit. He had to I'm tell sorry. me twice he was blonde. And that you're doesn't just... sound like a lot, but 
if someone's blind, they shouldn't have to tell you twice. You yeah. know, yeah, maybe fucking once, maybe, maybe if it's like real fucking crowded and y'all are at a rave or something. Yeah. But no, <laughs> they it was, just, you were talking over yourself. That was it. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. A quiet um, needless to say, I did not sell him a gold chain that day that he wanted. But <laughs> he did have me escort him back through the store to his taxi because. Lord Jesus. He got turned around. So, anyway, like, I was just, you're so high. You're oblivious to everything, but you think you're on top of everything. You're just, um. That's how I felt the very first time that I did coke, because I did a lot the very first time. And uh, I was talking to one of my buddies and just thought that, I was like, dude, I'm so, like, I could hold a fucking PowerPoint presentation and pitch, like, a million-dollar idea to a billion-dollar company and be over the top in no time like just give me anything to sell somebody yep that's... i felt like i could uh i could do that so yeah i totally get that one of my um one of my real good friends um m we uh she helped me get bailed out of jail a couple of years ago she was oh i don't want to say she was bad off on coke she wasn't she has her own struggle but that was her that was her demon her one little thing and she wasn't doing it every day or anything like that but when she did did it do it yeah, it was her boss. So like me and her would we just we get some coke. We would do key bumps in the car on the way back to the house. Hey, shut up, uh, key bumps. Hey, love <laughs> key bumps. Uh, and that's we when don't when do drugs anymore. We though. don't, man. We don't. God damn. <laughs> to be young. <laughs> well. I'm in recovery, man. We're, I had. We're I, doing. We're doing good. We're doing better. We're, we're doing, doing better. Good. I'm out I'm of jail. We're doing I'm good. out of jail. It's great. Um. But uh, you know, um, M, we would just do coke and sit there and talk for hours. Like we cleaned, I think like twice in the entire time that we used to do coke at her house. But when she come to my house. We do coke on uh, this little platter I stole from the hotel I used to work at. It's perfect coke trick, perfect. And uh, and she would sit there, and I would just clean my entire apartment while she's sitting there. But um, if you've ever seen, um, what is that fucking Saturday? Is it Saturday Night Fever? Marky Mark. Yeah, yeah. Saturday Night. Yeah, yeah. Boogie Nights. Boogie yeah, Nights. Okay. okay. Yeah. So Boogie Nights in there. This girl, um, Roller Girl, and Amber Waves, which. Fuck, man, Amber Waves, what a good porn name. That pisses me off that yeah. she had it and not me. But Dirt Diggler. I see it. I see it in big sign and it's just flashing lights and sparks are coming off of it and it says Dirt Diggler. <laughs> and I watched the whole movie for a fake uncut long that was just anyway, it pissed me off. But in the movie, Roller Girl and Amber Waves are doing Coke and they're just sitting in her room talking and they're like, You're like my mom you be my mom, you know, and just like this whole heartfelt, like, ah, 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 I want to do so much, and, and she's like, I don't want to leave this room, I don't either want to leave this room, like, but that was very much us when we were on code, we were like, oh, let's do all this, I don't want to leave the room, let's you're not just, leave. You're just extremely connected and in the moment. Yeah, and it's just... Especially <laughs> when somebody's feeding off that exact same energy. Yes, they're on the same there's level. nothing better than two people... On coke together in a room. I mean, there's way better things. There is a lot better than that. There is things better. Uh, but there's all, 
nothing better and also nothing worse than two yeah. uh, 20-something women in a room doing coke together. Uh, just It's like drunk girls in the bathroom hyping each other up the whole time. Yeah. You know, you're beautiful, I love you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're my, you're my soul sister, which, you know, she is my soul sister despite bullshit that's happened. But uh, Emma's clean. Emma's clean. She's been clean for over a year now, so I'm really proud of her. Yeah, I've, um, I've uh, very fortunately got to meet her and her husband. Uh, husband? Yeah, fuck her I, husband. I, but. Well, they, they both were very nice uh, okay. the other night, so I'm glad I got to meet him. You know, whatever. So tell okay. us, uh, kind of changing gears, tell us a little bit about B. Uh, in that regard and how you're handling that current situation. Well, um, I'm handling it. I'm handling it, so there's that. Um, I don't this, have... This was a guy that come about at a time when you were in recovery and, and uh, you... I was... I was Okay, so I was dating. I was in recovery. Um, and I was dating this police officer. Um, and he was also a paramedic. Uh, wonderful man. Oh my gosh, wonderful man. Um, wish him nothing but the best. But he was gone all the time. You work twelves. You work twelves as a police officer. You work twelves as a paramedic. And when you're a paramedic, you're gone for days working those twelves. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, I was alone all the time, and it was the first time in my recovery that I was alone. Not um, like I'm alone in this or anything. Like no, like physically, I was in a two-story house that was beautiful. I had every I did I wanted for nothing. I had a guy who really cared about me. I really cared about him, but I was alone all the time, and that destroys you in recovery. And there's a certain aspect. Yes, you do it by yourself, but for me, being alone was um, part of the root of my addiction. Um, yeah. I like I said, I started it when my dad passed away. <laughs> So I felt utterly alone, but when I started doing that, I didn't feel so alone out of the community. And it's just the dumb connections your fucking brain makes with things that aren't true, but your brain is like, hey, but if you did this, you wouldn't feel so alone, you know? Yeah. Um, so here I was every night FaceTiming him, bawling my eyes out because I just wanted to use so fucking bad. I just wanted to use, that's it. And um, the guy I was dating wouldn't show me a lot of attention because he wasn't there. And he, it wasn't because he didn't want to. It was his job. I dated him knowing that. It was nothing new. But it, me and my issues fucked me over in that way. So um, this younger guy uh, who was very attractive, B, um, just sent me a friendly message. He was like, hey, do I know you from so-and-so? And I was like, no, man, you don't. He was like, oh, okay. You know, sorry to waste your time. A couple days later, he was like, do you want to do me a favor? And I was like, um... Maybe. I don't know. It depends on what the fucking favor is, man. And he was like, I'm doing shift change. I just need someone to keep me awake so I can get used to my shift change, right? It was all very not coming on to me at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was a little. Yeah, it seemed very innocent. Light flirting, but that's fine. You know I me. Mean? Yeah. You know, it. I'm You're not, just like, hey, I've got a prospect possibly for, uh, you know, they could fill the void that is currently my love life. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't even thinking of it at that time, honestly, dude. It was just like, oh, here's someone to talk to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um... Because he poised it as, hey, just be my friend. 
Right. And you're like, okay, that's, that's nothing at risk. Right. Okay. So I started talking to him, and I ended up breaking up with that guy, moving out of his house. And you're talking about the police officer yeah, paramedic. Yeah, I moved out of... With him. Um, I broke up with the police officer paramedic and moved into an apartment with B. Um, and um, his uh, friend and his friend's mother. Well, um, it was, so we're living there. Um, the sweetness dropped really quick. B was very abusive. Um, Not but only physically, physically, but definitely mentally, for sure. Um, so, like, there were nights that I would wake up, and um, B didn't have a car. Um, B was never trying to stay awake for shift change. He didn't have a fucking job. Um, so he didn't have a job. He didn't have a car. Um, so I was swindled. I was hoodwinked. And I stayed. I call it hoodooed. And I got hoodooed. <laughs> um, but I stayed. And because um, I'm one of those people, I'm like, well, that's not, you know, this isn't their identity. Well, you know, looks looks like crackhead walks like crackhead talks like crackhead probably a goddamn crackhead three out of three three out of three definitely a fucking crackhead but anyway i stayed um he became physically abusive and mentally abusive and um uh some nights i'd wake up and i was the only one that had a phone of course because i was the only one employed and um I'd wake up and the phone would be gone, my car would be gone, everything would just, it would just be me in this house by myself. And, um... With not a fucking clue where he went? Nothing. Nothing. Not a clue. Not a fucking clue. And, um... We started taking X. And, uh, which he'd been taking it. And I started taking X, so I got even more under his thumb. And, um... Because it's somebody that was recovering and, and also extremely vulnerable. You fell back into that trap. Of, yeah, absolutely. I fell of, right right back into the same shit. Um, when I finally left him, I did the same exact thing I did when I quit doing meth. I cut everybody off that knew shit about him. Like, uh, V, good old bud I saw in uh, jail that we've all been friends with for the longest. Yeah. I cut him off. Yeah. I wasn't talking. If you fucking knew any, if you... Like, you're, if you were an associate of either Cheese or B... I was done was, with you. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Um, so, because I was so paranoid, you know. Um, but, yeah, he definitely drove me deeper. Like, I, I'd gotten... I was at a stalemate in my recovery as, as is when I first met him. Because I was really... Like I said, I wasn't going to NA meetings. I was terrified I was going to run into somebody that had dope on him in the car. I did not want to get high. I was, I tried so, excuse me, I tried so hard to stay sober that I fucked myself off. Yeah. And got into the wrong crowd. So, yeah. Um, well, it's easy to do in this area, too. Man. Yeah. There's not much. To do butt drugs. Really? There's, there's not much to do butt I mean, drugs. There's, there's jobs, but it's like, it's mainly factories. Yeah. It's like, or you work at a hospital. Yeah. Um, or you get some weird, like, obscure job yeah to where you make good money and you like you i don't know it's like one of those that you wouldn't even find on indeed or oh some, no absolutely some not. other website this is more like a i know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that can get you this sweet ass desk job to where you sell fucking 
cups to some people over in another fucking country and somehow you make thirty dollars yeah so shit like, yeah shit like that um so yeah B just drug me down and you know I took an X pill and it's like you know I was like it's nothing like meth is it are you sure because I can't and he was aware oh, that he you was, were in recovery. Oh, he's fully aware. But that wasn't the. He didn't give a shit. He yeah. was. He didn't give a shit. He was high. He didn't care. And um, so um, we uh, he gave me an X pill, and the moment it kicked in, I knew. Yeah. But I didn't care at that point because I'd spent months just feeling so alone and so sad, and here I have someone that's all about me all over again. Um, I didn't fucking love myself, dude. Yeah. I hated myself. I did not love myself, so I let him drag me back into that, and I I stayed in that until one time uh, my come downs were always really really hard, uh, like really hard. Like I would get extremely suicidal. One time, finally, he was like, "You can't do X anymore." Like the guy who was keeping feeding me X finally cut me off. Like you, so you can't do you X anymore. A certain level of rock bottom. Yeah. yeah. The point of rock bottom I was at is my sister who practically she had my my sister practically raised me. She had done everything for me in my fucking life. Told me you are not welcome in my home anymore. Yeah. And that is um, that definitely was a uh, one of the final straws to where it hit home. It was very. It wasn't much longer after that before shit really, really fucking hit the fan. Like, um, because the relationship I have with her, even now, you know, and before then, it's unthinkable to hear her say that. And that really, um, even now, thinking about it, it really fucking hurt. It really hurt. And I was so angry at her. I didn't understand why. Um, but I was high again. When I the two and a half years I was on meth before I let, isolated myself from my sisters and my mother and my family, so they didn't even know. They had no idea I was on meth for those two years, no clue, until I came back and I was like, "Y'all, I've been on drugs. Here I am. I'm sober." You know what I mean? Well, at least that was brave of you to uh, admit that to to family yeah. and, and friends once you were actually in the state of recovery, because you know most people would be somewhat embarrassed about it but that's something that has always been a trait of your character and I think you get that a lot from your father is that you like when it comes down to it you do handle your shit yeah I mean it might might take me a couple kick in the nuts but I get it done yeah you do take responsibility for it when it comes down to it because I mean who did it me yeah I fucking did it's and I don't know it's just it's that fucking hurt so that uh at the time we were homeless we were um, shitting in my friend's backyard because the house we were staying in should have been condemned 10 years ago. Yeah, um, I've stayed there for a brief time as well. Yep, um, but we were living in this condemned house. It would rain on me when I slept, and I was sleeping on a um, air mattress that you'd blow up, and you'd only be up for like 10 minutes, and you'd be back down on the floor. Um, roaches crawling over the place and raining on me in my sleep and it was just uh, no no water running to it no electricity running to it we stole electricity through a, multi, a series of extension cords running two houses down to a neighbor's shed 
So we were stealing electricity from the neighbor's shed two houses down. So slightly better than staying at a Super 8 hotel? Just slightly. It was better than my car. <laughs> yeah. No. Except for it was yeah. the summer, so sometimes my car was better because the, um, the air conditioner in my car was better. But we were homeless, so we didn't have money unless we were hustling to use gas. So we couldn't even do that, really. We couldn't. We couldn't use the air in the car because of that. But, um, yeah, we were living in this broke, this condemned-ass fucking house, shitting in the backyard, and because um, there was no bathroom, and um, trying to find people's houses that had the water tap where they wouldn't freak out and see us because we needed to fucking bathe or fill up our water bottles. And uh, it was fucking hell it was fucking hell and i was there for the <laughs> so how did you come out of that situation of where you're at now i came out of that situation because um b asked me to marry him and i said yes and um he was like we're gonna you know we're gonna make this work we're gonna get it together we're gonna build our lives together and um which i okay real quick I have no doubt that he really, truly did want to marry me. And he really, truly did want our lives to work out. Because looking at his life and the string of things that happened to him, I was one of the better things in his life. And that's not tooting my own horn by any means. But I was, even in my shitty state, was one of the better things that happened in his life. And I truly do believe he wanted all those things. But he was incapable of following through and putting aside his own issues to make it possible. So and he wasn't addressing his own mental health issues and to, if, yeah, to get better. Exactly, exactly. So he was he was not healthy to start with. So it's I don't I don't when I tell you what I'm gonna tell you uh, this that statement's gonna sound weird. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I feel like he really did he he really did want it to work. He did. He wanted, maybe not necessarily with me, he wanted that picture-perfect life, and he wasn't having it, and he wanted to obtain it. Yeah. So from that point on, when he asked me to marry him, um, with the ring he stole from his grandmother. Um, like a true addict. Like a true addict. Um, we, some fucking how, I don't, I don't even know how we did this shit. We got an apartment. I have no fucking idea um, how we got that apartment. He started working on a farm, and so... We, uh, we, we got an apartment and, um, I wasn't allowed to work. He had my car all the time and I was expected to cook and clean and all that stuff, which is cooking and cleaning. It's fine. I have to do that on my own anyway. And um, we got to keep in mind that this time I'd never lived by myself. It always depended on my partner for mm-hmm. a roommate. So I'm kind of already under a thumb as is. So, um, you know, everything's Gucci. Everything's great. Live with my crackhead boyfriend, which he wasn't really doing crack, guys. I say crackhead is a general term. He wasn't doing crack. Yeah. But, you know, X pills, Coke here, you know, all that little shit. He had a little uh, cocktail going on. He had a crackhead mentality. Yeah. You know, so there's that. But um, anyway, he, uh, we came up to Jonesboro to spend time with M and her husband. And he left for a while, came back, and he seemed really fucked up. Um, uppers weren't his choice. Downers were his big problem. He seemed real fucked up. And I was thinking, where the... F- he's he's fucked up. He's, like, slurring his words. He wasn't acting right. And, like, five minutes of him being back there, he was like, we gotta go. We need to go home. I'm ready to go home. And I was like, okay. So we go to go home. 
Um, he's like, let's stop by GameStop first. And I was like, okay. So we go to pull in, and he pulls out um, some games and Joy-Cons and shit of M's husband. And I knew they were his because uh, M's husband is a very, uh, very particular person. And, um, and so I knew they were his. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You just stole from them? Meanwhile, he'd been stealing from my family, too. I just was too dumb to realize it. Um, he, he, he's stolen a lot from my sister and my mom. I didn't realize it till later. But anyway, um, I was like, at this point, I'd had enough of abuse. I'd had enough of everything. Like, I was just sick of his fucking shit. So I turned around, went to M's, gave her the shit back, and I was like, I'm, I'm so mad. I'm going to drop him off at his friend's house, and then... Uh, and then I'll be back because I can't even fucking look at him. Like, I'm crying. So upset. And even M's husband, who's not a very affectionate person towards me, we've we've not always uh, got along so great. Um, he was he hugged me. He's like, I know it's not your fault, Katie. You know? Because yeah. at that point, I wasn't eating ecstasy pills. I'd been clean for a couple months because when he was like, you're not doing X anymore, I couldn't do X anymore. So I was clean. I was just smoking weed. Um so I'd been doing a little better, but anyway, took him to his friend's house, dropped him off, came back to M's, you know, upset, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, where I have the wedding dress ordered, everything is ready to go, we just have to say yes, um, so I'm just like, what the fuck, um, and at 5 a.m. I got a call from his friend saying, come get him now, he had tried to break into his friend's, um, room, uh, that had a lot of expensive stuff in it, and he had used his friend's YouTube account um, after his friend went to bed, trying how to pick a lock on his friend's YouTube account. Jesus. Bought shit on his friend's Xbox account and gifted it to himself, which is what woke his friend up was a chime from his bank account saying, "Hey, this amount's been put, used on this." And he's like, "What the fuck?" And so he's like, "What's going on?" So before he went in there to uh, confront B. He started looking and like, you know, if you have YouTube on your phone, it's the same account on your TV and you Google shit on your TV, it's going to pop up on your phone. So B uh, has done all this shit and his friend's like, what the fuck? Like, so I went and picked B up. B is even more fucked up than before um, because B just took handfuls of whatever he could find. And on the way home, he's cussing me, blaming me for everything, which I did nothing. Get, get home, which is about an hour hour away. I have to drag his six-foot self-house in the house because he's so fucking out of it. Get him in the room, lay him down. He knocks out, and I just go in the living room, and I'm just chain-smoking cigarettes wide the fuck awake. Like, what? Like, very much a moment of clarity. Like, what the fuck is my life right now? Yeah. Um, he woke up, and he asked to use the phone. And um, I had been talking to my cop friend, again, the guy I dated previously, not in any sexual way or anything like that, um, because my fiance was abusive as shit, how stupid would I fucking be? You know what I mean? So like, trying to, yeah, like, openly cheat on him, yeah. And not hide any of the evidence or anything, like, I, I literally, I told B, I was like, we're getting married, just closing shit off, like, it was yeah. very much a, I hope you're doing good in life. I'm getting married. That was it. Like, it was a very... B sees that. Comes running out of the bedroom while I'm sitting on the couch. Belligerent. You're cheating on me. I, I will fucking kill you. 
goes into the kitchen, opens the knife drawer, and I hear it, and I run in there, and I see him trying to cut his throat, try to knock the hand, knife out of his hand, um, and then he attacked me, tried to cut my throat. Um, it's very, it's very blurry um, because it was very traumatic, obviously. Um, but I remember at one point, I was pinned down the couch and the knife was on my throat, and he just kept saying he was going to take me with him. Somehow, um, I don't know how I got away. And uh, I was in the front yard, and he was dragging me across the yard. Um, it was a Sunday out in the country, so all the neighborhood kids were out, and they look over and see some shit out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and they're like, what the fuck? Um, and I guess B saw them and finally stopped, and I ran over to the neighbor's house, and they they'd actually just rolled a blunt and sent the kids outside to play so they could have their little adult time, little little moment, you yeah. know? Because um, we lived out in the country, and there was a bunch of neighborhood kids. Like, it was nothing. It was admirable, you know. Now, I say admirable. It's, like, definitely the community I'd want to be in if things, yeah. you know, were better. But anyway, anyway, cops came and got him. It's, uh, cops came and got him, and he went to jail, and um, M came right away. My mom rolled up in my yard like Dukes and fucking Hazards, a pistol loaded on her passenger seat bypassed the fucking cops like rawr, rawr, through my ditch and everything and it's like got out and said that's my daughter in there so like <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh very southern mama yeah very southern mama so um which i'm not a call the cops kind of gal the where me and ross grew up you didn't call the cops that's no, you don't do that. and like even now it i feel weird because i called the cops and I, that's so fucking stupid that I feel weird for calling the cops to save my fucking life. Yeah. You know? Um, you're in a situation where you weren't in control. I mean, you didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. And somebody who's under the influence of anything, you, you really don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that they kill you, kill themselves. Yeah, uh, and at this point, he had taken my car and drove off. So I didn't know if my dogs were dead inside the house. I didn't know if he was now dead or what. So I called the cops. And, um... When they hauled him away, I've never seen him again except for in court. Um, That's how the fuck I got away. Um, Not by my own choice because he attacked me. I got away. Well, I mean, I made the choice after the fact. But, um, yeah. I mean, you could say that's that's, a lot of people have been in that situation and go right back to it. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call him. You just, you were... You weren't yourself, honey. Yeah. And then you're right back in the shit. And then who's to say he didn't kill you next time? Or exactly. Maybe two, three times after that. I'm a firm believer. Had I gotten married to him, I would be dead now. I, I wouldn't have made it yeah. to 2021. There's no way. You would have had a couple of ER visits for sure with the shit being out I would have. Quarantine would have killed me. Yeah. Quarantine would have killed me. So that's how I got away. And after that, um, I remember after it happened... It's the same day I called my um, my therapist's office, and I was talking to the receptionist, and she was like, "Oh, but is it an emergency?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> like I just I didn't tell Miss and Miss Linda is very sweet. She's been there for years, so like she knows my voice when I call. Um, and um, I was like, "It's okay. I just need to see her as soon as possible." So she got me an appointment, and then. I finally, um, I couldn't, I couldn't wait. I think two days had passed and I just went up there 
And it was on a Tuesday, which is my therapist's crisis screening day, thank God. So she had all the time for me. But even, even if not, she would have canceled her appointments because um, it, it was a crisis. It was an emergency. But my therapist was like, I think you owe Miss Linda an apology. <laughs> not in a mean way at all, but she was like, because Miss Linda felt bad. Because, yeah, like, I was, I, I, yeah, I scared the fuck out of her because I was like, it's not an emergency. And then I come in, like, unannounced. I'm like, I've got to see her now, <laughs> you know. And so, um, ever for uh, a year, a year after the attack, um, therapy every week. Every week, therapy. Minimum an hour. Minimum an hour. Um, minimum. Um, and so you began to build this relationship uh, with the therapist too because she was somebody that um, well you were letting in on the situation but was giving you another path because once again you're back square one mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after trying to build this life with somebody who basically from the first initial interaction that you had with him was uh, based on a lie yeah absolutely um, so my my trust in people is unless I've known you for a long time like you I I have not really made any new friends for sure because I don't I don't trust shit I don't trust shit anymore not not to be like it's kind of in a jaded way not as far as like friendships go but relationships I don't trust anything I don't trust anything nothing nope Nope, you can get the fuck out of here. And probably a little bit with uh, the new guy, the most recent guy that you were talking to, the beta male guy that you mentioned that was just all grovelly, is that you no longer entertain people that, like, well, now, based on your experiences, and especially after your dad died, there was a big change in your personality that you deal in absolutes now. You don't want that, like, well, I don't know, where do you want to go eat? It's like, no, pick a fucking place. I'm hungry now. Yeah, like, I can't out. tell you how many times I've come over to Ross's house. He's still dicking around, laying in his bed, and I open the door. I'm like, I'm fucking hungry now. Let get. We talked about this before I even fucking showed up. I was 20 minutes away. I said, hey, I'm going to get there. We're going to eat, and your ass is still laying in bed. Let's go now. And half the time I do that to you, it's just a, it's just a fuck with me. You know, just... <laughs> Like, I've been ready. I'm just covered up. So yeah. Man. Just chilling. So, like, I don't... Um, and so, now the situation you're in is you uh, you live by yourself. You have mm -hmm. your dogs. You actually, from that situation, I'd say the best thing you got out of it, other than a valuable life lesson, if you want to call it that, you probably could have done without that life lesson, but you got your dogs out of it, and you're on a path to um, much better self-preservation. Yeah, which um, I got bells when I was dating the police officer slash paramedic um, as an emotional support animal because I was having such a hard time with my sobriety and being alone. Mm -hmm. So I, I got bells then. And then um, while me and B were together, uh, which I feel bad because bells is my dog and there's no doubt B abused her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, she, she don't do loud noises. She don't... Uh, Man, uh, he was a piece of fucking shit. He was a piece of fucking shit. Um, you don't say. Yeah. And uh, while we were together, behind, he went behind my back and um, bought another dog from the same lady I'd gotten bells from. And um, which, you know, we were fucking homeless. 
So I don't know where you came up with a hundred dollars to get another dog. And anyway, oh, why he, would, he was stupid. Again, he, crackhead mentality, bro. Like he would have been better off getting an ostrich. You know what I mean? Yeah. So can ride them. yeah. So you can hold out a hat and people pay you money to see it. There you go. Like anyway, <laughs> it's he, an yeah. He gets this dog, and Bells became so attached to this fucking puppy. And then when uh, Bud attacked me. We got a jelly. He wanted his fucking dog back. And the courts made me give his dog back, which I wasn't trying to keep it from him. I would have preferred not because new quality life was not going to be great. Um, but uh, Bells got so attached to that dog. And when he left, she was so depressed. And so when I got back on my feet, I got my dog an emotional support dog. So now I have two emotional support animals. <laughs> and uh, so it's me, my emotional support animals. We live... Um, we live in housing, uh, government housing, which um, growing up, that used to be a big stigma. And that's something mm. that um, I kind of feel a little embarrassed about whenever I tell people where I live. Um, and only slightly, I think, because of that stigma of us growing up like that. Yeah. Um, but the other part of me is like, hell yeah, I live in government housing. Because I, you got a fucking place. I need it. You yeah. know what I mean? I. This is what government's housing is made for for people who cannot financially afford to live on their own who are doing their absolute best to get their fucking shit together or sometimes it's the elderly this is this is set this is what they got this is all they can afford yeah, limited income yeah. limited uh or in your case like um you know you don't work you don't always work 40 hour weeks exactly so, so my income is varied and um and like it's just uh, so like part of me it's like man I don't you know I'm not living in a apartment by myself I live you know on government property but the other part of me is like I have my own fucking house man like yeah. I I did this like not to say I didn't have support along the way because I did I wouldn't have been able to do it without people that love and care about me and my well being but. I did this shit on my fucking own. You know, I did it on my fucking own. So, like, I've gone from losing my dad and being a meth addict to a series of very abusive, um, volatile relationships to literally turning it the fuck around and um, having my own place and just not having to worry about anything anymore uh, other than normal everyday worries of yeah. normal people nothing extreme nothing toxic really yeah, you don't have to worry about a, a roof falling in during a rainstorm yeah or where your next meal is going to come from or if you're going to get to take a shower that day yeah and so that's um it's a big that's a big thing to celebrate not only your sobriety not only getting out of these toxic relationships which is hard to do especially when you love somebody and, and, and when you're young yeah if I was in my forties and experienced more of life, none of that would have you got no, yeah, maybe yeah. not. No, it would have been much more difficult for that to occur. For you to even allow yourself to be in those situations, yeah. But Where, that's that's part of it when you're when you're young and you and, don't uh, know shit. Not necessarily. Well, I, didn't, I wasn't going to say it like not necessarily like you don't know shit, but it's you you have to you have to make choices in certain regards and if you follow your heart and uh you know you thought this guy was a good thing you thought cheese was a good thing and they both ended up being obviously bad things and negative experiences of your life but at the same time it has built you a much stronger uh person i am 
phenomenal because of my trauma. Yeah. I really am. I, if my dad had never died, um, I would be such a boring piece of existence. You were not boring even before you I feel like I would have been bo- Do you know what my life plan was? What's that? To get married and have kids. <laughs> well, I mean... And that was it. That was my fucking life. That's all I wanted... And that's that's a that mindset there, um, which is something me and the, my ex, the police officer, we we talked about after because he helped me out after the B situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he helped me out. He was like, you can come well, stay he, with he's me. Somebody if you need. that has like his life together and it was able to give you structure yeah. and give you a footing to where you could go. Okay, here's where I start stepping off. Yep. And he, I mean, so thankful for him for that. Yeah. Um, well, he's so a good thankful, man. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but me and him had this discussion. He was like, you just want to be married so bad. And he was like, why? And that's the thing about him because he's a police officer. He's not asking me questions he doesn't know the answer to. He's asking me questions and he wants the correct response back. So we had like a good hour conversation of him just asking me questions and me reading myself to filth. Like, just basically, like, not, I mean, he was just, he made me say out loud why everything that I was doing was dumb, for lack of a better fucking word. That, that's like a roundabout way of saying in a, in a way he was your therapist. Very much. Essentially what some therapists do is, sure, they'll, they'll uh, take your situation and explain things to you that, you know, give you insight that you didn't come to the conclusion to, but I think yeah. some therapists uh, ultimately bring you back around to you already have the answers to what, like, yeah, what you're looking for. You just haven't come to the conclusion of it yet. Absolutely. And, so and that's what he was doing. Another thing with therapy is whatever I bring in the therapy is what's discussed in the therapy. She doesn't see me on a daily basis. She didn't yeah. see my wife. So she I never... works with what you're giving her at the end. I never told her what my relationship with Bud was like. Ever, I never told her anything bad about him ever until he attacked me, and then she was like, "I fucking knew something was up." You yeah. know what I mean? So like, whereas the officer had seen, you know what I mean? Yeah, hey, I he mean, knew the whole. Yeah, he knew the whole shebang. So, um, yeah, he was just. We had a come to Jesus meeting, and he was like, "You just want to be married so bad. Why? So, you know." So what? Um, basically, in conclusion, to where you're at now, what goals do you have? Because I know you still want to be. Probably married someday and probably yeah. have kids. No. But where do you... Okay, maybe not have kids. No yeah, kids. I agree with that one. Yeah. But, um, so where do you see yourself going now that you finally are... Um, I say alone, but it's more of like... In, a, in the most positive sense yeah, of that word. In the most you're, empowering way, I am alone. Like you've realized your self-worth and you no longer put up with any bullshit. You recognize the red flags and the signs... Um, a lot harder, like you have a much more focused scope on people. Yeah. So where do you see yourself going now? Um, what, what endeavors do you want to get into? Honestly, um, I want to, I'm always continually working on myself. I want to, uh, I want to surpass what I even feel now is possible on my mental health. Um, I, I want to just really fuck some shit up man i wanna i just really wanna fuck the shit up like 
because I, you know, I suffer from borderline personality disorder and PTSD and, you know, usually get borderline personality disorder from some form of childhood PTSD. Um, So I just, uh, that's a never-ending battle with that in my sobriety. So honestly, I just want to keep kicking ass at that and then one day find a partner that, uh, that I can be partners with. Where, um, where it's actually reciprocated. It's, yes. It's not a, you know, somebody that doesn't necessarily have, like, their shit better together than you, but at least yeah. it's not going to drag you back down. Yes. Some, some fucking either abuse of either drugs or physical abuse or mental abuse to where lack of accountab- trying to raise no motherfuckers. Lack of accountability for their yeah. own actions, you know, like... Uh, I think your best bet somebody older. Man, that's my so. type too. So there we go, man. There we go. Either that, or I'm gonna be um, waiting. Is not a right word because I'm not standing still waiting for anything. Yeah, um, you're, you're focusing on yourself, and I think you're embracing more of the the kismet. Yeah. Like if it happens, if it comes about, um, it then comes you're about. Not, then you're not closed off to it, but um, you're just focusing on yourself. Yeah. I think that's important, really, for. Everybody. For everybody, yeah. Yep, because I didn't... Well, and through all this, um, the biggest thing B taught me was self-love because I hated myself. How could I love myself if I let someone do that to me, you know? And now, um, if you get the wrong tone with me, I'm like, oh, no, I am a queen. Yeah, like you've been in jail, man. I've been in jail. <laughs> yeah, I've been roughing t- it. You're fucking tough. Your neighbor, your neighbor, me and old little lover, you know, yeah. I'll be lover. Uh, what was it? Oh, we were talking about uh, Botox earlier. You know, she's talking to this girl. She wanted this one little thing. Well, I had this one little, yeah, she doesn't fucking need it. Anyway, anyway, so I was talking about the one little thing I wanted, and she's talking to the guy that was out there. She's like, she's in her 20s. I could just whoop her ass. And I said, I've been to jail. Test me. I said, I ain't afraid to go back. She goes, well, I am. I'm just talking shit. And I was like, so I fucking thought. That's what I fucking thought. So, like, you know... You know, ripping, dipping, Randy ain't a fucking afraid of nobody. Ripping, dipping, Randy ain't a motherfucking bitch. I run that goddamn block, but well, I uh, think, um, oh, go ahead. Goals. I love myself continuously, even when it's hard to love myself. I guess it's the biggest thing because I, I didn't, I did not learn self love until I hated myself more than I possibly could. Like until I don't. You hit that really low. Yeah, I mean that was the even. And it wasn't, like, instantaneous, like, oh, well, I'm going to start learning to love myself. No, it took weekly therapy. Sometimes I'd see her twice a fucking week. Um, it took a lot. It's taken a lot, but honestly, number fucking one, love myself. I just want to continually love myself. I want to get to the point where I love myself so fucking much that I'm like, what is the point of a partner? Because yeah. even now, I'm just like, I would really enjoy that. That would be nice. I would like to feel that reciprocated. And not that later on I won't either. But, like, I still... I, I think what you're saying is you no longer feel incomplete if you don't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel I don't feel incomplete, you know, if I don't have it now. It mm-hmm. would be nice. Yeah. But, like, I want to get to that point where it's not even a, like, one day I would like to. It's like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could or I couldn't. You know what I mean? Like. And you're okay with that. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. 
I, I can't I have nothing to compare it to. It's just literally, I, I want to get to the point where it's like, not that I don't want it, but it's not even a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right now, as much as I really don't like to admit it, it's definitely a priority. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. I would like to have somebody to sit on the couch with and fucking watch Wheel of Fortune. I want someone to go to Ikea with and be pissed the fuck off at each other by the time we're through. Like, I want that <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to be mad because I sat in a fucking toilet bowl because the lid wasn't sat down. You know what I mean? If it's a male. If it's not a male, I want to be mad because that bitch wore my fucking clothes before I had the chance to fucking wear my clothes because that shit has happened. <laughs> that shit has happened. Let me tell you, I ripped her a new one. Lovingly, I was like, that shirt had the tags on it. I've never worn that shirt. And, uh, I don't mind you wearing my clothes, but not before my ass has been in them first. Please. Please. So, like, you know, even that, like, it would be nice. I would really enjoy that. However, that's my goal is to get to the point I love myself so fucking much, and I'm getting mad at my own self for wearing my clothes first. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, well, that, it, it seems like you're a lot more comfortable with yourself now, and you're definitely, uh, you're definitely doing it right. I'm trying, man. I'm trying, uh. There are a lot of books on this, but uh, none of them are specific to everyone. You know yeah. what I mean? So no matter how many self-help books I would read, which self-help books are great. I love them. But, like, there was no fucking instruction manual on life. And I just, I put I put the wrong pieces together at first. <laughs> I'd tear that bitch down, put it back together. So, man, that's what happens when you don't, you know. It's what happens when you live life, honestly. Yeah, it's a, it's a natural just happens. You're going to make choices and get yourself in certain situations where uh, you don't know how the fuck you're going to come out of it, but you manage. Like even uh, this week with the small crisis that we had, you thought you were going to lose your job and all yeah. that, but you ended up coming out perfectly fine. I mean, sure, you got court dates, a little bit of fines, but uh, fuck, we've all been there. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe most of us. But Most of us, you know. But, um... Things want to end it there. Yeah, man, I, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, you know, it's uh, been a it's been a nice nice time sucking on a chili dog with you folks, <laughs> and uh, this is a uh, ripping ripping dipping Randy signing off. You know, I'm gonna go suck some more chili dogs. Well, I think uh, we speak for everybody today in saying thank you for sharing uh, very personal stories of addiction, of relationships, abuse. Uh, your path to loving yourself again and uh just being so open and uh i think anybody listening to this today could definitely take something from it and uh maybe apply it to their own struggles and uh, maybe get in a better situation so thank you for that well you know i got more uh, well wait there's more it gets better we'll get, we'll get into that on a couple other for episodes sure. for well, sure thank you guys for uh listening and sitting with us today hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on the next one